0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Norfolk County Council Fostering Focus podcast. I'm joined by Wendy, one of our recruitment team managers, and Lisa, one of our foster carers. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So on this episode, we're going to be discussing around being available and if you are able to work part or full time. So on to our first question. So, Wendy, what do we mean by the term availability?
1: Um, Well, there's different sorts of availability. Um, Usually, when we're talking about availability, what we mean is capacity to respond. So, as with any child, lots and lots of different children have different needs. Some, we find, cannot quite manage school, therefore they might not be in school. So, therefore, when we're talking about being available, is that a scenario that a, a, a potential foster carer might be able to manage? That's the first thing. There's also what we call emotional availability, and that is the time and space to give one-to-one to a looked-after child when perhaps they're wanting to talk, they're wanting to offload, and they want someone available to listen to them. So what we find is that when people work full-time, they might not necessarily be in a situation where they can respond. So, for example, we had one at the weekend where um, a, child, sorry, a child went into school and um, told the nurse they were feeling sick. School automatically decided that that child needed to go home and therefore contacted the carer who was at work to pick the child up. So that is a classic example of what we're talking about when we're talking about availability. Does your job mean that you might not be able to respond in that particular situation? Or does it mean that you would then be reliant on a family member or someone in your support network who could manage that situation on your behalf?
0: So, Wendy, we've just touched upon availability uh, and what that means uh, to us and what that should mean to potential foster carers. But what about other commitments such as caring for birth children or older relatives, i.e. mum, dad, etc.?
1: Well, it's a common situation. Obviously, there's lots of families out there that are doing exactly that. Um, And it's all linked to availability and commitments that you've got in terms of the time that it takes to actually do those things. So if, for example, you have a partner in hospital who requires a lot of medical treatment, if you have elderly parents that you see on a daily basis, then you have to ask yourself, have you then got the time to to give um, nurturing to a particular looked after child of any age? Now, what we're finding is that it's perfectly okay for families to have foster children in terms of their birth children. And what we find is that it has to be a family decision. So, birth children need to be on board with the thought of fostering. They need to be on board in terms of sharing their, their house, their toys. Um, if your birth children have significant needs in their own right, Then again, we would ask, do you actually have the time to commit to another child? So, for example, we've had someone recently who was homeschooling their birth child and um, the birth child had been bullied. But there was also issues of really, really deep anxiety bordering on mental health. So, okay. if that carer was homeschooling their child, would they then have sufficient capacity and availability to then look after another child?
0: Yeah, and that, that comes back to what we what, what we're going to be talking about, which is when you need to go i e to the school because there is a particular issue, the same as if you're working, being able to uh, you know grab and go. There's a situation that's arise,d something that 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 has happened that you need to deal with. Uh, so therefore, you need to go and like, like you've just touched upon, Wendy. If they're homeschooling, what is that effect going to have on the birth child, not just the foster child, but the birth child as well? Because it's 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 both ways, isn't it? At the end of the day,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: That's great. Thanks, thanks, Wendy. Um. Lisa, just wanted to to come over to yourself about, from your perspective, why is it important to be available as a foster carer?
2: Well, there's there's many reasons really. I mean, every children comes with their own vulnerability, and they will need your attention. Uh, you have to be available twenty four seven as a foster carer to um, to look after them, to see to their needs. Um. It's all also, I'd say, um, availability is also about putting priorities in the correct place and that child is your priority. It, it's above everything else and you have to make sure that you can do that above your job if you are going to work and to have a really good flexible contract if you're working um it, it can. It's subject to change. I and mean, when I've been through it myself, when I first started fostering, I I worked. It was okay. Then you. But then you've got school holidays to consider. And as Wendy was saying, calls from the school to say, "Can you pick them up?" You have to be able to leave immediately and go to that child. And your employer, most of the time, is not going to like that. So that's something you need to get into place before you foster.
1: Yes, I can think of another example Scott, and that's usually where, um, when a child comes into care, we have a duty to promote family contact. Now if the parents work, then it means that family contact might take place at at um different times and therefore if it's a younger child it might be a couple of times a week for example. So we need a foster carer to be able to manage those sorts of contact issues. And then on top of that, a looked after child doesn't just um, manage on their own. There's a whole team around the child, which means there's regular meetings that take place, looking at the care plan. There's regular reviews of the care plan. And therefore, there can be any number of meetings with different agencies, including school. and. uh, sometimes mental health might be involved so there's also a lot of appointments that have to be um, taken into account when we're talking about being available
0: yeah that's that's really interesting um especially what you touched upon there wendy um and and lisa you said that that you worked part-time when you first came in to fostering is one of one of the reasons why you left your part-time employment because of the fact of being available and the fact that you had to be there for the child and take them to contact? Or was it a decision that you felt, I need to put everything into being a foster carer um, and that child has to come first?
2: It was um, a matter of priority, but some of it was to do with the management. We had a management shift who was completely unaware of what fostering was and what fostering entailed that didn't help and i had to sit back and think well actually you know i would have always gone if i'd have got a phone call to say i needed to pick him up from school i would always i was gone because that's my priority um that it's just it's that you have to have that that ability just to say i'm going and not mind or care what your employer says and in the end it was. I had to go. I had to leave my work to be full time foster carer.
1: Because we we do sometimes find, don't we, Lisa, is that employers say they want to be flexible and they want to be to be supportive, but they don't necessarily understand the reality. What we what we're not saying is that you can't not work. Because often we um, we assess couples, so it's not necessarily always rely, reliant on one person to respond. But there has to be someone there who can respond immediately when it's required.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, you do have to have to respond the second the child needs you, and that can be from any any number of reasons. You know, they might get up one morning and be too tearful. Or, not in the right frame of mind to go to school and you might have to stay at home and no matter how flexible your employer wants to be at the end of the day they're thinking of their company and their employees and and that just don't that don't sit well with a lot of people and they just don't understand they even in my assessment they were like well that's just like having your own children but but it's nothing like having your own children you it's nothing like that at all. And they don't understand that.
0: Yeah, that's that's a real interesting point um, about the employers having to understand that. And and we do talk about more employers becoming what we call fostering friendly, don't we, Wendy? Um, that they've got to have that real understanding that when a situation arises, you do have to grab your car keys off your desk and your mobile phone in your bag and you do need to be out of that door. And they do need to have that level of understanding that anything can happen at any point. Now, I suppose from looking at it from a different point of view, if you were self-employed or you had your own business, then you do have that flexibility, don't you? You do have that flexibility to be able to walk out whenever you do. But Lisa, I completely understand what you're saying is that you know, how that could come across to your employer, but also the staff that are in that organisation of, oh, they can come and go as they please, but actually not understanding the bigger picture.
1: Yes, and also we found that there, there are sometimes, obviously when you're in business for yourself, you're reliant on your customers. And if you've given a deadline, say, to finish a particular task, you can't always walk away from that either. And again, what I don't want to do is put people off and say, you know, we're not going to take people who are working full time. It, it is about having a support network around you or named people who you can rely on when you need yeah. to. I do
2: know, on the other hand, though, I do know somebody who was – he was a single parent and he fostered, but he he had yeah. – um, teenagers with no issues really and that worked quite well and um you know he'd done a great job with them so yeah that's good that's good to yeah. hear yeah. yeah it is possible but it is a challenge as well. matching would need to be a big issue there though
0: hey, and that yeah and like we say it's it's like you've just touched upon there lisa is the, the the matching of the child to the placement like you were saying things like you know teenagers older children uh, could possibly be uh, a lot easier to work and care for them, but I just wanted to touch upon upon a point of about working patterns. So, um, how do we think it would affect the ability to foster if your partner worked shifts, so on nights or days, or worked off offshore, for argument's sake, um, so two weeks on, two weeks off, or or, or whatever that is, or if you are uh, the the full time carer single, but you work shifts. Wendy, how do you think we would we would look at that from a, a recruitment point of view? And 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 then Lisa, what's you what would be your take on that from a um being a foster carer?
1: Okay, well as a single carer working shifts, a lot depends on shifts. So, for example, if they're twelve hour shifts, then I would suggest that there isn't enough time left um available for a young person, having said that 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 would rule out a probably full time permanent placement, but that doesn't mean to say that they might not be in a position to offer pace or emergency respite or weekends only yeah so that's that's one example um and again often in relation to um applicants who are a couple it's completely different if you've got one as a primary carer who's there all of the time then that is enough of a stable environment for our looked after children even though the other partner might be away for two weeks at a time two weeks on two weeks off and to be fair because um we have yarmouth within our county there's a lot of people in yarmouth associated with the oil industry and they do exactly that Two weeks off and two weeks on, and and that works. That does work.
0: From and, and just on that, what about the stability of the of of the child, the foster child, with that other parent being two, two weeks on, two weeks off. Lisa, what 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 would your take be on that? We're just having a, a, an open discussion yeah. about it. You know,
2: the main carer, as long as that main carer was there, so you would that. I can't see how that main carer could work if their partner was working two weeks on two weeks off because the child needs to form an a attachment to the main carer. And to do that, that needs, you need to spend time. You need to, you need to nurture yeah. that. You can't, that doesn't just happen. So that could be quite difficult. Yeah. But if I suppose a two week on two week off, that would work well if that's not the main carer, obviously not the main carer, but there would still be that relationship they can build, but they've got that other relationship with their main carer, which would work.
0: I was just sort of thinking from a, a point of view of the child, would it be difficult for them to build that relationship with the other uh, with the other carer or the, the, the partner's carer because of the, the shift pattern? I don't know what your thoughts are on that, on Wendy.
1: Um, I think it's all down to the matching. So if, for example, the primary carer was a female and um, the person who was going off for two weeks at a time was male, we wouldn't necessarily then match them with a child who had a particular affinity with men, if
0: that makes sense,
1: or who struggled to make connections with the female. And, of course, what we have to remember is that outside in the real world, there are lots and lots of families that bring up their children where the partner is off for 2 weeks and and is back for 2 weeks so you know it's it's the norm in lots and lots of different families but as lisa said the the other partner the person who's been away has to just try that little bit harder as an adult to make the connections when they yeah. come back
0: yeah no no i completely understand that we touched on it briefly at the beginning but about single people um and I, and i suppose in, in that point of view that uh what you touched upon lisa is that you know if if there are a teenager they could possibly work part time but that employer would need to be very understanding uh, do either of you two want to elaborate on that on a on a on a single person then um, working
2: well, it, it, i've seen it work but that's i i couldn't Comment. I mean, they got. They had a teenager come in who was about fourteen, who was in a good place, who who was able to. Um, so the teenager who came in, he was in a good place, he wanted to go to school, he enjoyed his time, and just came and go as he pleased. And the foster carer was able to continue work, continue the shifts he'd done, and um, that worked. That worked really well.
0: If anything you've heard on today's podcast has raised any questions, please contact our team on 01603 3066 That's 01603 3066 Thank you for listening and a big thank you to Wendy and Lisa. We hope you've enjoyed the latest edition of Fostering Focus. Thank you, Wendy.
1: Thank you. Goodbye.
0: Bye.